they dudes get the mugging, but they don't ever be saying shit. And they ain't about that action, so all that shit is irrelevant. I got a dark skin queen riding passenger side, her hair blowing in the wind. You know I'm gripping the thighs. They say this gold up in them hills, and they speaking the facts, but they don't wanna see me blow. But I'm C4 on the track. That shit's inevitable. Hip hop hall of fame, I'm eligible. Cause my flow's stupid and my penmanship's incredible, impeccable. I'm unforgettable. I keep on telling you that I'm the greatest doing it. Point period decimal. Time and time again, I'd have told them they don't compare to us. You ask them who the real is, now they pointing that they retina. That's I, followed by the S, followed by the H. It's Ish Quay and Cool doing it for the Mountain State. Look, I've been on the go out of control, yeah. I've been in the hill riding on four wheels. Bitches call me cool if you ain't know me. What's up? What's good with it, everybody? We back for another episode of the Pick and Roll Podcast. And we got a lot to talk about this episode, as always. But first and foremost, Sam, what's good? What's good, world? We back again. Back for another episode this week. Now, usually... Or here recently, we've been starting off our topics with uh, basketball. Today, let's switch gears a little bit and start off with the NFL because it seems that there's a lot to talk about as far as the NFL is concerned. And probably the hottest topic of the NFL at this particular moment is the situation going on in Philadelphia. Now, those who watched football this past weekend saw that Philadelphia, a team who had been struggling here recently, looked a lot better than they had been. And the biggest takeaway from that was that Nick Foles is back at the reins. And it's starting to look like he's got the offense clicking and the team as a whole as well. They were actually able to upset the Rams, which I know Sam wasn't too happy about, but they were able to upset Sam's boys and a lot of people are now starting to ask the question, is Nick Foles better for Philly than Carson Wentz? Now, this, I want people to understand the, this particular question. It's not whether Nick Foles is better than Carson Wentz. It's if he's better for Philadelphia than Carson Wentz. Sam, I'll go ahead and open up, open up the floor to you so you can go ahead and start us off with this one. Yeah, I um. I'm still not 100% sure on this, but I'm leaning towards the fact that he may be better for the Eagles than Carson Wentz. I mean, it's not like Foles is doing anything real special. He just gets the football out of his hands and lets the playmakers make the plays. I feel like Carson Wentz maybe is out there trying to do a tad bit too much, holding on to the football a little, little too long. And he also stares down Zach Ertz a lot. Like, that's his guy for sure. Everybody knows it. So, I mean, I feel like he may be holding the offense back at that by that standard, but clearly Carson Wentz is definitely the better quarterback than Nick Foles. Yeah, I don't think that's really anything that anybody can dispute. I, Carson Wentz is definitely the, the better quarterback. I feel like Nick Foles is the best backup quarterback in the NFL. And mm -hmm. with that being the case, I mean, he, he's been around for a while. Carson Wentz is still a new guy. This is a guy who was a rookie last year. Regardless of how good he played prior to his injury, there's something to be said about Nick Foles stepping in in a crucial time and being everything that this team needed in order for them to go on and win their first Super Bowl. So there's a, I feel like, a chemistry issue with Philadelphia with it being that this team rallies around Nick Foles in a way that I have not seen them rally around Carson Wentz. It's not, it's not that Philly is just so much better when he's on the field. It's that he gets a rise out of his teammates like Carson Wentz cannot. You, you just see – the the mannerisms and the way that they carry themselves on the field, they look so free and so happy and just like they were enjoying playing the game this past Sunday with Nick Foles at the reins. And I just I feel like it's it's tricky. I feel like in my opinion, Carson Wentz is still the better option 
as far as Philadelphia is concerned. But there's something to be said about Nick Foles being able to get the best out of his team. So that's something that I would personally look forward to. Now, um, granted, I don't believe Philly will be able to get into the playoffs because they'll need a whole bunch of help. And let's just say by chance they did get into the playoffs. If they happen to pull something off and get into the playoffs, Philadelphia now has a, a decision to make. Do you turn back to Carson Wentz or do you stay with <laughs> Nick Foles? What do you think they should do if that were to happen? Who I think you who I don't know. And you're gonna run the risk of losing your locker room too. You well, you know, decision. you know, that's the I feel like that's the tricky thing about switching quarterbacks this late in the season when you still have somewhat of a chance to make the playoffs. Granted, it's a long shot. But when you still have the the chance to make the playoffs, I mean, it's you got a decision to make. It like you said, you could lose your locker room if you make the wrong decision. And even if they don't, let's say Philadelphia wins out and wins the rest of their games, but they don't get in the playoffs just for the simple fact that the Cowboys end up winning this week or next week, because Philly is automatically eliminated from winning the division if the Cowboys win any of the last games. So. If that happens and they don't make the playoffs, but Nick Foles wins these remaining three games, that also, to me, is an eye-opener. You look at that like, dang, he almost put us in a position to make a run again. What exactly is he doing that Carson Wentz is not? And from that particular standpoint, I feel like as a, a front office and as Carson Wentz, it's time to look in the mirror like, what can we do to make this guy get that rise out of the rest of the guys? And I just, I don't know, man. Nick Foles, to me, like you said, the biggest takeaway is that he spreads the wealth. He does not force feed Zach Ertz. And even with guys like Golden Tate, who just came about to Philly, he even looked more comfortable out there with Nick Foles. And he hasn't even played for Philly that long. So it's something, it's something going on there. And I'm not quite sure. I feel like at this particular moment, if you make the playoffs and it's time for you to make a decision, I feel like you stay with Nick Foles or Nick Foles, Foles, Nick Foles. But moving forward, as far as the the long term here, I mean, you drafted this guy and Carson Wentz for a reason. So you obviously have to stick by him. But. He's got to do some learning from Nick Foles, that's for sure. I don't know what their relationship is like or anything like that, but he's got to get some type of tips from this guy. I, I would, I would figure. So I say, yeah, yeah watch I, some Foles. Something, feels. something. What exactly is he doing that that's getting these guys? Like you even saw on the sideline the way that they interact with each other when they're not on the field. They just seem to have some special type of chemistry that I don't I'd never see with Carson Wentz. So I I don't know. Maybe he needs to reach out to Nick Foles in that aspect. I I don't know. I feel like like I guess to answer the question, short term Nick Foles is better to better for Philly this season. But obviously through the duration I'm you gotta go with Carson Wentz. You got to. I just feel like you can't go anywhere outside of outside of that guy. I mean I don't I don't know. I really don't know. It's Philly's gonna There's have a decision to make. Right now. It is. It is because I don't feel like I, I don't I don't know, man. I don't feel like Carson Wentz has quite showed you enough to where you're like, you know what, this is our guy. We'll forget everything else. Like obviously he's a good quarterback. He's, he's shown what he can do. But he showed I, us a lot of a lot of talent, like a lot yes. of arm talent and stuff. Yes. But as far as like really like showing us he he gonna be a winner here and and all that he has not showed us anything i i agree 100 percent. he doesn't he hasn't shown us he knows how to win like on the the biggest of the big stages as nick Foles did and he also hasn't showed us that he's the franchise player he has not shown us that this mm-hmm. is a guy that we we're gonna throw all of our marbles into simple as that so it's definitely a decision that needs to be made in Philly. Now, as I said, Philly did beat the Rams, and this isn't just something that that happened this past week. We've seen the Rams 
and the Saints. The Saints were able to pull out their, their game this week, but they also struggled as well. So these are two of the most dominant teams in the NFL at one point in time. They were head and shoulders above everybody. And here down the stretch for like the last two or three weeks, these guys, I don't know. They just, they don't look good. So um, another question I want to ask you is, is there a reason to panic with the top two teams in the NFC limping their way into the playoffs? Because as far as I'm concerned, that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, I wouldn't say cause to panic. Although I will say there is something going on. Um, I I personally believe that both these teams are looking ahead to the playoffs. And that's definitely what I want to believe, considering one of these teams is my favorite team. (laughs) But I wouldn't panic just yet. I wouldn't panic just yet. I I don't think that there's a reason to panic, but I do think that there's a reason to be alarmed. For the simple fact that even if these teams are looking forward, like looking ahead into the playoffs, that in itself is dangerous for a ball club because you never want to get too high on yourself. And it's almost like that could be what it is. It could be that these teams are looking like, and we know we're better than these teams. We know we're, we're locking up home field advantage. It doesn't really matter. I mean, like it is what it is. So if they're looking at it from that standpoint, as a coach, it's time to it's time to rally the troops now. We have to go out here these last two games and show everybody why we have home field advantage. It's time for us to flex the muscle again because when you have a team, we have teams as talented as the Rams and the Saints, and they look the way that they look these past few weeks, teams are now licking their chops. They're like, Oh, we can get these guys. They're not even that good for real. Did you see what just happened last week? Like, teams yeah, are now looking at you like bait. Like it's time. Like they're not. You don't want that. You don't want that going into the playoffs. Exactly. That's the last thing you want. And I'll say this: I'm gonna be perfectly clear. These wild card teams. I'll say at least two, possibly three of these wild card teams in the NFC. They can be spoilers. They can definitely be spoilers. I think the whole playoffs is looking man. The way it stands today, the playoffs are gonna be tough for whoever wins the Super Bowl. You ain't lying. You ain't lying. And that's you got you whew. got the Chargers eleven and three as a wild card. Exactly. Exactly. You got Tom Brady as a uh, got a first round wild card game for the first time since what two thousand eleven. Nah, I saw, from I don't know exactly what it was. I'm pretty. I think I heard Skip Bayless say. 2001 like regardless if it's 2001 or 2011 that's a long time so like you said this playoff is probably going to be one of the most exciting playoffs that we've had in quite some time but as for those top teams this isn't something that you want to you want to have going on right now heading into the playoffs and I don't know which problem is more detrimental I don't know if I don't know if it's more detrimental for a team to look ahead into the playoffs or if it's more detrimental to a, a program with teams actually figuring out how to deal with your team because I've seen a lot of that as well. There are a lot of spectators and analysts that are saying these teams are good. They're very good as far as the Rams and the Saints are concerned, but now we have ball clubs that are starting to figure out what they want to do and what they like to do, and they're taking that away. And once you take that away, now what? How does this team thrive in that aspect? And I feel like both teams are suffering from the same exact thing. They're both struggling from subpar quarterback play. Yeah, facts. And it, and I also it's think- crazy to see that. Go ahead. I still think that we're missing Cooper Cup a lot. That's the biggest thing to me. Cooper Cup is not only a stellar slot man, but he is also an escape valve. Like that. that, Oh my goodness! When he went down, 
even though we still won a couple games after that, that's when the offense That was a noticeable difference. That's yeah. a fact. That's a fact. And when you look at a guy like a Jared Goff, with him being so young, it's extremely important for a guy like him to feel like I have an escape valve that can make plays for me. Now, most teams have tight ends that they can rely on. The Rams' tight ends are not what they need to be in order for him to be successful. They've had moments this year where the tight ends have looked like, you know what, we might got a future with our tight ends, but it's not consistent enough to help Jared Goff. And you've seen, if you really pay attention to the game of football, you can see that this isn't just a problem that we're seeing as far as Cooper Cup's absence. This is something that the coaching staff is seeing because not only did they change a little bit of their offense, they also started to move guys around. A guy like Robert Woods, who was having extreme success this year on the outside, they were struggling so much to find a plug-in guy in that slot that they had to move Robert Woods back to the slot. Now, that's not a bad thing because he, he thrives there, but that in turn also makes your outsides weaker. So it's a lot that's going on with that program that I'm starting to notice. We're missing him for sure. It's it's not to the point to where I, I'm going to say we can't win at all without him, but he the offense definitely changed once he went down, and it, and it was noticeable. I mean, it's it's a mirror image almost because like like you said, Cooper Cup is somebody that's missing for y'all that is extremely crucial. Y'all, I mean, it's a guy that y'all definitely needed. Then on the other end, you have the Saints who. They like the way that you guys looked to Cooper Cup to make plays. They look, everybody knows they look for Mike Thomas to make plays. So, what do you do to stop a team as powerful or as high powered as the Saints? You make the other guys beat you. There have been so many teams that have, I'll say, since the Cowboys game, the Cowboys did a great job because the Cowboys play man to man defense anyway. So, it's going to be tough. You're going to have to make pretty much perfect passes in order to get him the ball. But these recent teams prior after the Cowboys, following the Cowboys that have played the Saints, they've taken a bit of a page out of that, but they've taken it a step further. Even if they play zone now, they have underneath and over top coverage of Mike Thomas. So now Drew Brees is automatically checking off of that and has to find somebody else. And when you take a receiver like that away that does a huge that leaves a huge dent in your offense. And just like Cooper Cup is missing for y'all, Mike Thomas has been missing here recently for them Saints. So it's I don't feel like it's a coincidence that both of these quarterbacks are struggling because both of them I mean they're in in a position that they haven't been in all year. Yeah. So it's they're missing those guys. They're definitely missing those guys. They're missing the play out of them and I feel like it's uh It'll be a lot easier for Breeze to bounce back, seeing as he is a veteran. And best believe if anybody's going to gear up and get ready, it'll be him. This is a quarterback that's already made a run at the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl title once. So he knows what it takes to get there. And I believe he'll rally his troops to get them back to a level of where they'll be comfortable. But I don't know if I'm so so keen on them, neither of these teams being – Head and shoulders above everybody else now. No. Now you almost have to look at it like, hey, it's anybody's ball game. Yeah, I agree with that. We're we haven't looked good, and even though you know, I think maybe about four weeks probably we haven't looked very well. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll agree with that. About four weeks. So now that we are talking about the playoffs, last question that I got to ask you as far as NFL is concerned. Who looks to be the most dangerous team heading into the playoffs to you? The Bears. <laughs> I don't I don't really think that there's any other route you can go. <laughs> because it's that was obviously my answer as well. And obviously a lot of people point to their defense, but the defense is what led them to that win. And St. or excuse me, I was about to say St. Louis. I always want to say St. Louis. In Chicago against Los Angeles, against the Rams. 
This week they played against Aaron Rodgers, which their defense definitely showed up. But their offense also showed that we can make plays when we need to. Yep. I I think that this Bears team, we actually had this discussion last week on whether they could actually make a run at the Super Bowl. And I said that they were a year away because of their offense. I still believe that, but only because I think that their offense isn't consistent enough. I'll say there's two more weeks left. There's this upcoming week, and then there's the following week before playoffs. If they can show me these next couple of weeks that their offense can do what it did last week and still look as effective, there's not a doubt in my mind that these boys can run the table because I don't think their defense is going to have any issues. Only thing that's going to stop them from actually making a run at the Super Bowl would be an injury or their offense to take a step back. Those are the only two things. As for right now, I don't think that there's any team that's more dangerous than them heading into the playoffs. Yeah, it's got to be them. Yeah, I don't actually I will take that back. They are one. They're one A. One B to me is the Chargers. Mostly because the Chargers, obviously they're eleven and three. But people are failing to realize the last three weeks, they have not had Melvin Gordon. They've had plug in running backs. So you throw in a guy like Melvin Gordon to a team that's already exceeding expectations. He's had three weeks to get healthy, three. And if they really want to, they can rest him again until playoffs. I would. I don't – I mean, I wouldn't – what I would do is depend – I can't remember who they play this week. I would rest him this week, Let play him, him play. next week. Yeah. Shake the rust off the week right before the playoffs, and you're, you're good to go. It's showtime. So, to me, it's 1A, 1B. Bears, Chargers. Those are the two most dangerous teams heading into the playoffs. And, whoo-wee. I mean, the <laughs> the common factor is defense for both of those ball clubs. I don't feel like the Chargers really get enough credit for how good their defense is. This yeah, And this is a defense that they've actually built. They built this defense through their draft and whatnot. That, yeah. This is a yeah, special – Definitely. It's a special ball club. And Phillip Rivers is also a guy that I feel like doesn't get enough credit. He's been in the NFL for a long time. He's been a veteran and he's played at a high level. He's just never really had those moments like the other quarterbacks. So this could be his opportunity. This could be his opportunity to show everybody, listen, I'm elite. I don't care what y'all got to say about my past. I'm here. And I mean, it's really on him at this point to lead this ball club to where they where they want to go. And I think he's got the tools to do it, but it remains to have been seen. So we'll we'll see how that how that goes. But yeah, those are my two dangerous teams heading into the playoffs. But let's jump into the NBA now, man. Go ahead and start this off the way we normally do with the pick and roll podcast fan poll of the week. Now this particular poll was probably this is probably my favorite one that we've had like since we started doing the fan polls of the week and reason being is because these are two guys that I admire one of these guys happens to be my favorite big man of all time so uh, before we get too far into it the pick and roll of pick and roll podcast fan poll of the week was who was the greater center Shaquille O'Neal the Diesel, or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the captain. This was actually our most lopsided poll that we've had. And it's blasphemy. (laughs) Facebook, 74% said Shaq. 26% said Kareem. Twitter said 71% Shaq, 29% Kareem. Now, these these young damn people. (laughs) I was just about to say that. Why do you think there was such a huge gap between these two? Because I don't care who you pick. You can pick Shaq or you can pick Kareem. But there's no way that it should have been this lopsided, I don't believe. Why do you think it was so lopsided? Do you think it had a lot to do with age? It has to, because to be honest, 
I, I don't I don't really think it's all that close between who was greater. Now I, I give Shaq the more the more dominant for sure. Fact. Fact. But as far as greatness, are you kidding me? Kareem I just played Kareem <laughs> played for twenty some years, man. He dominated two whole decades of basketball. I don't and that's the thing with me. Dominant I feel like people were looking at it from the wrong standpoint. Most dominant, I couldn't have said it any better. You pretty much hit the nail on the head. Shaq is the most dominant center to ever play the game. But as far as most greatest, you've got to go with Kareem. And even if we are talking most dominant, a lot of people have a case for Kareem as well. This is a guy who completely dominated, like you said, both eras and did it in so many different ways. He did it with the sky hook. Once he wasn't as athletic as he used to be. And prior to that, he started the sky hook when they told him he couldn't dunk no more. That, that's what I was about to say. Prior to that, they banned dunking because of him. Like it's come on now. That's like I, I like I said, I admire both of these guys, but I don't think it's close. I think Kareem is the greatest center of all time, not only because of the way that he did it, the duration of time was actually way longer than Shaq. And even outside of the duration of time, Kareem is the leading scorer in NBA history. This is a guy who does not shoot threes. He, I mean, he was a back-to-the-basket big that could face you up if he felt like it. But this isn't a guy that we're talking about that's going out here stretching the floor or any of that. But you know what played a lot into that scoring that – Shaq never could do was free Free throws and that was going to be my next bullet point that's another reason why Kareem is the greater center than Shaq if you look at Kareem's game can you point out a weakness no No. you can't he couldn't shoot the three but But who exactly so no there was no weakness in Kareem's game he could pass he could defend he could score on the block he had the hook shot he hit his free throws. There was no weakness there. He did it all. With Shaq, you can point to a couple of weaknesses in Shaq's game. That's what I was about to say. Because I, I personally would point to his low post game as a weakness as far as, like, move-wise. He was dominant down there, so he didn't really need a move. But when you compare him to Kareem, I mean, Kareem. He had Kareem the arsenal. Could, yeah, Kareem had an arsenal. Shaq was just going to overpower you. Or turn over the left shoulder and shoot the right hand jump hook. That's literally all you was getting from Shaq. That's the thing about Shaq is, like you said, Shaq was dominant, but you knew what was coming. As soon as Shaq got the ball in the post, it was it was more like, oh fuck, how am I going to stop? I know he's doing this, but how am I going to stop it? Shaq had, I'll say, two post moves that were his go to, and Shaq's not shy about it. Shaq says it in the interviews. That's why he doesn't like Dwight Howard and most other centers. He said you don't really have to – when you're as big and as strong as he was, you don't have to have an arsenal. Two solid post moves, to keep people honest, will get you to where you need to be. And just like he said, that's all he had was two solid post moves. He had the, the uh, cyclone, which was that quick spin drop step, and he had the little over-the-shoulder that he would just bang you and then just throw it up, throw a, a soft little hookup. But outside of that – Shaq didn't have a post game. And even if we want to dive even deeper into Shaq's game, Shaq was not an elite rim protector. Shaq was just strong, which means that people weren't coming to the hole because Shaq was going to knock you out the air. But that to me doesn't that doesn't mean that you're a rim protector. A rim protector to me is a guy who can defend the basket without fouling. Everybody knows Shaq had foul trouble his entire career. There's no secret about that. You can't point to a lot of times where Kareem was being were fouling out on the regular. No. Just I mean, I just don't I don't know. I don't know why there was such a big discrepancy as far as the poll was concerned, but I don't think that it's close either, man. I'm taking Kareem. Period. Like <laughs> give him to me. I'm sorry. And I just I don't know. I mean, people are we live in a decade now or an era now where people are too they're too worried about the highlight. They like the guy that that looks more flashy. 
You watch Kareem's game. He doesn't have a, a game that stands out like Shaq. You watch Shaq, you see him. Like, you know that's Shaq on a court. Like, you know that his his presence is felt and you see it. With Kareem, he's like a guy that's he's out there, but you don't see him in the same light that you see that you see Shaq. And that has Don't, don't Kareem got five MVPs? Yes. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Like I don't know if people are forgetting, but we actually had our episode where we broke down the greatest players of each decade, and Kareem was on there what three decades? He made Two. the list three decades. Yeah, he he was he was one of the players that was picking <laughs> I mean, out for three decades. Yeah. Was, we ain't pick him. Yeah, he was, he was there. Like mm-hmm. he's a guy that you can actually look at. Like, hey, he was dominant for a long ass time. So I don't know, man. I I feel I feel our listeners, and I thank y'all for y'all's input. But I'm sorry, I got to go the opposite direction. Point blank period. I, I that's where I'm at with it. But let's um let's stay NBA, but let's talk current NBA. Mm, I guess we we're we're talking legends. So now let's talk young bucks. Let's talk um guys who have the potential or a guy who has the potential, the potential to be a legend. And that's rookie as far as I'm concerned, rookie of the year through this point. Luka Doncic. Um, he's opening a lot of eyes, which I believe you were the first person to tell me about him. And I went and watched the film prior to this was uh prior to him being drafted and all that stuff because he uh he could have went to the draft last year, right? Nah, he wasn't eligible last year. But okay, uh, that's when you told me about him, though, because you yeah. I think you was like he's going to be in next year's draft, but he's special. And I remember yeah. you showing him to me. And after you showed him to me, I went and watched film on him and watched some games and on YouTube and whatnot. And, I mean, there's no doubt that he was a special specimen coming in. We both said that he should have been the number one number one pick in this draft. And, I mean, I can't fault Phoenix for what they did. They That's the direction they decided to go in. But I felt like Luka was hands down the, the favorite in this draft. And even with that being said, um... He's starting to draw comparisons to MVP. Like, the comparison that I'm seeing here recently is James Harden. Now, I I don't know how I feel about the comparison. I feel like it's a stretch, but nevertheless, I'm seeing it often. Like, I'm seeing it extremely often. So, do you think that this is the correct comparison? For Luca, do you think that's an accurate comparison? I mean, he does kind of have a heart and type of game. The way he can get get into his jump shot off the step back, and he's a good playmaker. I don't, I don't think he plays exactly like Harden. I think there's a lot of similarities, though. I can't say that. I'll I'll agree. I'll agree. I'll say that there is some comparison. But if I'm going to compare Luca, it's not going to be to a guy like James Harden. If we're going to be honest. This will probably open a lot of eyes, what I'm about to say. I guarantee this will probably make a lot of people go watch Luka. But my comparison to Luka is magic. Luka reminds me a lot of magic. I feel like Luka has – he's got a ways to go defensively to become that type of guy as far as magic is concerned. But watching his overall game – he reminds me of magic, but he's a magic that's more crafty scoring. His facilitating is out of this world. He's a big guard. He passes. Oh, my goodness. His, his court vision is what stands out to me on the court. He makes plays that I feel like other people may be able to make, but the way that he makes the plays and the way the places that he puts the ball he instantly gives you the the luxury of being able to score right when you catch it. You don't have to do anything else with the ball if Luka gives it to you. Nine times out of ten, you catch it and shoot it, catch it and lay it up. He's not putting you in a position to create your own bucket. He's putting you in a position to where your bucket's already created. And that's not something that's easily done. I'll, I'll say magic, 
because we've seen point guards that have that have been uh, good as far as facilitating and even rebounding. We've seen with Lonzo last year and your guys like Jason Kidd who rebounded well. But the difference between those guys and Luka is that Luka's a rookie right now, and he is scoring like a madman. Yeah, he's getting the buckets. He's scoring. And that is what a lot of people liked about Magic. Magic early in his career was a facilitator and flashy and all of that stuff. And then when Kareem got older, they looked to Magic like, listen, I I understand. I love your game. I love what you're doing. But we need you to go out here and get the buckets. And Magic could do that. I just I don't know. That's the biggest that's the biggest uh comparison that I've seen as far as Luca is concerned this year. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think he played very much like Magic for real. But I mean I love does, it. I love the comparison. He can pass. So I mean I see where you see where you coming from. But I just I just think the rest of the game just doesn't match. I'm telling you, I just I don't know, man. It's, I don't see much difference between Luca and Magic as far as what they do different. What's the biggest difference that you see that Magic does that Luca doesn't? Uh I just think the pull up jumper. I just can't I just can't picture Magic with a guy who just got a pull up jumper like that. It's just hard for me to see Magic. I just can't see it. I, 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 nah, I can't. I don't see it. I would, th- I would say maybe Ginobili before Magic for real. It kind of remind me of Ginobili a little bit sometimes too. Mm, I'll say yeah, as far as the craftiness is concerned. That's what but... I'm saying. Ginobili, Ginobili, one of the most crafty players they ever played a game. I can agree with that. I can agree with that, agree with that a hundred percent. But I don't know, man. The, the Magic thing isn't so much from a crafty standpoint because. I mean, Magic was somewhat crafty, but he wasn't crafty. I, I don't know. He was know. a crafty it's, passer. He was a crafty passer. He was a crafty scorer at times, but Magic lived in a time or played during a time where he didn't have to be as crafty as these guys. So it's hard to say that he couldn't have done it because I feel like somebody that's that crafty passing, they could get crafty score. I mean, you've seen Magic with his scoop layups and his flashiness in that aspect, but I've, I don't feel like Magic lived during a time where he had to do much of that. Because of his size playing the one, he didn't have to be crafty for real. And he didn't have – I mean, he he didn't have anybody, I guess, challenging him. A guy like Luka, he's 6'8", but they throw a lot of wings at Luka. They didn't do that to Magic. So I feel like Luka has to be more crafty. And that's that's another that's an argument for another day though. That's something that I feel like a lot of people don't really look much into is how diverse players have to be in this era, as opposed to how they used to have to be when Magic and them were playing. So, yeah, I will say that Luka's more Luca is more crafty in that aspect. But as far as his overall game set, I'm telling you, it screams Magic Johnson to me. It screams it. Granted. He's only a rookie. We got to see, you know, how far he actually goes. But I love everything I see from Luca. I'm loving everything I'm seeing from that guy. He he's being everything I thought he would. Yeah, I'll I'll be the first to to vouch and say that you most definitely were on the Luca train far before anybody else I knew. That's a fact, and rightfully so, because I mean. <laughs> Hey, he's looking like he's he's that deal. So let's um let's jump into our blind resume of the week. Let me find the results. I had them here. Um, this particular week, we went with we stayed NBA. We didn't switch sports just yet, but um. This particular resume was, or the results, should I say, were, mm, lopsided. <laughs> they were lopsided. I haven't now, seen the results. Yeah, I actually just clicked on it to see what the results were. So, the results were resume two 
85, resume 115, as far as percentages are concerned. So, I'll go ahead and read them off real quick. Resume 1, averaged 21 points a game, nine or 9.8 rebounds a game, 2.4 blocks per game, 11-time All-Star, 1-time first-team All-NBA, 6-time second-team All-NBA, Three-time second-team all-defense. That's resume one. Resume two, averaged 17.4 points per game, 12.6 rebounds per game, two blocks even per game, eight-time all-star, five-time first-team all-NBA, three-time defensive player of the year, four-time first-team all-defense, two-time blocks leader, five-time rebound leader. Those are our two blind blind resumes. And as I said, resume two won this one by a landslide, 85% to 15%. Now, I guess we just go ahead and review or uh, reveal the players. Hold on. Before we do, I just want to say that this is exactly why we do blind resume. Yeah, this was the uh, we actually looked and looked and looked. We went through, we cycled through a whole bunch of names and came out with these two names. And these are two names that both are pretty much big names, but I will say, resume one, I feel like he holds more weight in the eyes of with, with the names. I think this poll would have been flopped. Yep, I agree. 100%. And it would have been in the same aspect. I feel like 85 to about 15%. Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel that way 100%. So, um, resume one was who, Sam? Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing. Resume two was who? Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. So, basically what our viewers and listeners and followers are saying is that they would prefer Dwight Howard over Patrick Ewing. And like you said, if the names were out there, I feel like people would be leaning toward Patrick Ewing. I I think that's a 100% fact that people would be going to Ewing over Dwight Howard. People don't don't realize what Dwight has done with his time in the NBA. People don't – they don't realize all them defensive player of the years and all the first-team all-defenses that he really accumulated – People just remember Dwight from the Lakers and on. I agree. I feel like a lot of people forget just how dominant he was. And this isn't a guy who uh, was just dominant individually. He also led his team to the finals in a a strong Eastern Conference. This was probably the last time the Eastern Conference was that strong. You had people. People. um, Damn, I forgot. Man, how the hell I forget what I was about to say. Well, it's that was in a time where the Eastern Conference was strong. Like I said, you had the big three in Boston. You also had Braun and company. So these were – and don't think that this was just a regular Braun team. This was a Braun team that was first in the NBA as far as record was concerned. So Did they didn't even like 65 games? Yeah, games? yeah. Yeah. This was a, a talented Braun team. As far as the Cavs were concerned, as far as record was concerned, I'm not going to say that the team was talented, but they definitely showed they know how they knew how to win games. Then this was a Celtics team that just came off of a title. They yeah. had just won the championship. Dwight Howard and them dethroned them and won the Eastern Conference, went on and lost to the Lakers. But even with that being said, they came up against a team that was far more uh, prepared for them, and they ran into a, a team that – had everything that was Dwight Howard's weakness. They had guys that they could throw at him. You don't see and often two team teams that have two seven footers, three basically that they can sit shuffle in whenever they want to. Yeah, and I remember what I was about to say too. There are people who don't even think that Dwight Howard will be in the Hall of Fame at the conclusion of his career. <laughs> so, like, people really don't remember what Dwight did, and. I love this poll because I think people are going to be very surprised at the fact that they just took Dwight Howard over Patrick Ewing. Yeah, I agree as well. It's uh, 
Dwight Howard, for me included, I'm a Laker fan, so I hate Dwight. Like, well, not now, but at one point in time, I hated Dwight. Like, I could not stand him for what he did when he came to L.A. And that's the vision that, like you said, a lot of people have. They just remember, oh, he went to the Lakers and stunk it up, and he's been a flop ever since. But, I mean, if we quite as kept, Dwight's career has not been bad since he left LA. You, granted, he's bounced around from a few teams, but it hasn't been bad. Like, it hasn't been bad by no means. And even with his career being pretty much decent right now, you couple that with how dominant he was early in his career, he's for sure going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's a famer. And it's crazy that people are actually saying, you know what? Dwight might not even make the Hall of Fame. That's just senseless to me. But you're not the only one that's heard that because I've definitely heard that from a couple people as well. So, yeah. Blind resume. Y'all took Dwight. I I, I would love to ask y'all how y'all feel about that one. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but, um, bad. I would, I would definitely, I would definitely say that, um, Patrick Ewing. And the way Howard is a good comparison, but I don't think that people would have thought so without seeing their numbers actually side by side. I think people would have been like, "Oh, I'm taking Ewing for sure." Right. Give me Ewing. Give me Ewing. Right. But yeah. It's it's a, it's a very close. Well, actually, maybe not even close. Just in the other direction. Yeah, I personally, as much as I dislike Dwight, you line them both up side by side and give me my pick. I'm taking Dwight if I can get the the Orlando Magic Dwight to play at that level often. Give him to me every day of the week. Yeah, I think people don't realize that the reason why they dislike Dwight really doesn't have anything to do with his production on the court. Yeah, because he's an animal on the court, for really talking that. For really talking his skill, he's a beast, point blank, period. There's, I mean, there's no way around it. But like you said, this was definitely the reason why we do the blind resume. So from here forward, I bet you'd be a lot more cautious taking your pick. I bet you that. I bet you. But um, let's uh let's jump to college real quick. Um, uh, it's not really much to talk about, but let's talk uh college football. With bowl season approaching and whatnot, we'll get to our bowl picks. Uh, maybe in the next couple of episodes. Maybe not this week. Uh, we'll go maybe next week or the week after that, prior to the the uh, New Year Six games. But um, the I guess the the biggest news about college football is that the number one quarterback in the nation last year, um, which is Justin Fields, who's in Georgia now. He's at Georgia. He's the backup quarterback to Jake Fromm. He's exploring transfer destinations. I understand that he wants to get out there and play immediately, but this was alarming to me. I, I'm not going to lie. It surprised me. I didn't expect to see it there. Obviously, they're saying that he can still return back to Georgia, but they've given him ultimate rights to go out and explore transferring. What What do you make of this, for one? And for two, what do you think is the best transfer destination for Justin Fields? First off, I I told you he was not about to be Jake Fromm. No <laughs> you did position. say that. You did say that. For two, I don't understand why you would go to Georgia if you weren't willing to fight and maybe have to wait for your spot. There's no way in hell you thought that you was going to Georgia and just was going to start over from. Especially so, not after what you saw your whole senior year of high school. Yeah, I don't. I I don't understand it. It surprised me as well. It, it it makes sense. I no, it don't make no sense. It doesn't make sense to me <laughs> because why would you go there? Like, it is, why would you go there? This is not like a school that had a quarterback come out of nowhere and beat you for the job and then end up going on the run. This is a guy who had a run last year. It's also almost, it's also not a guy who's who was a senior sitting in front of you either. Exactly, and he he almost won the national title last year as a freshman. Right. So if you weren't ready to potentially have to wait 
your turn. I don't understand why you make why you go to Georgia in the first place. So therefore, transferring after one year of sitting behind him makes no sense to me whatsoever. I agree a hundred percent. I think that it would have been more wise for him to go somewhere else instantly, right out of high school, as opposed to going to Georgia if he were planning on transferring anyway. Because, like you said, you knew what you were getting yourself into watching this. We talked about it all last year when Jake Fromm was balling and this, this, and that. That the after the, I mean, after you take your breath, the very next thing you're saying is, and they got the number one quarterback in the nation coming in next year. So you know that it's not just you're coming in here right now and the job is yours. This is a stud quarterback who's been a stud since high school. If you followed from, you knew that you knew what he was about, which I'm sure he did because he's from Georgia. So uh and Justin Fields. Justin Fields is from Georgia. So with you being from Georgia. I'm pretty sure you got your ears to the streets your whole high school career. Like, man, I'm trying to go to UGA. If you know you want to go to UGA off rip, then you're going you're going to look and see who UGA is recruiting. You One saw thing that I do they, want to ask real quick. My go man, ahead. I just want to ask you this before you keep going. Do Do you know when he committed? When did he commit? Was he an early signee? Like, did he sign as a sophomore or freshman? Because if so, then I could give him a pass. I don't think so. I want to say he committed his junior year. So that would have been from senior year in high school, though, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you knew. You knew what was going on. And I don't know if it was that he saw as a junior, like, I'm better than him. He probably thought he was better than him back right. then. Right, I'm better than him. I don't care if he go there. I know I can start over him. But even after seeing that, it's not like he committed. Like, he didn't commit until his senior year. So, you saw what Fromm was doing throughout the year, and there's no way that you actually tell yourself, I'm going in there and I'm going to get this job. I'm going to win the job hands down. After seeing what he had done all the way up to your commitment, you had to tell yourself, I don't I don't care how confident you are. You can say, I'm going to go in there and win the job. But there's no yeah. way in your right mind you can go in there and say, I'm going to win this job easily. Or there's no way in hell you don't prepare yourself for maybe you do lose the job. Like Exactly. You, of course, of course, you're supposed to be confident and feel like, yeah, you're supposed to feel like the better guy. I mean, you can't. You can't go in there and not be ready for the possibility that you could lose that job when it's that caliber of guy you're competing with. Fact. Fact. So, where do you think the best transfer destination is for him? Oklahoma, man. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even think about Oklahoma. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, I feel like I didn't even think about that, but all signs point to Oklahoma. That's destination central. I mean, that's a uh, transfer central. Yeah. Last two guys that didn't transfer there won the Osman. I mean, exactly. So, and they, they both the play quarterback. So, yeah. you know what time it is. You know what type of offense. You know what type of system got- you're gonna be in. It's. I feel like that's perfect. I was actually gonna go on another. Uh, on another tangent, but it was going to be more of a personal note. And that was going to be Florida. Because of the Florida, Georgia rivalry, what better way to get back at it at the school that you're transferring from than to go to the rival. I mean, this, I feel like that has the, the highest stakes because not only is he transferring to a rival, he's transferring to a team with a stellar defense a team that always has a good defense, but their problem is always what? Not having a quarterback. So you can really go out here and show just how dominant of a quarterback you are by taking a program like Florida to the next level. And even with that being said, you're from Georgia. This, with you being born and raised in Georgia, it gets no better than going to Georgia, not getting the outcome that you want, transferring, and then beating Georgia on the biggest stage possible. 
I don't think I think SEC got that rule though. You can't transfer within the SEC, so I don't think Georgia. I mean, I don't think Florida is an option. Oh, so what would happen? He would have to sit out a year. Nah, like you. He can't just do can't this. do it at all. Nah, like you, you would have to sit out a year first. Then you could, but like Sheesh. you can't transfer from an SEC school to an SEC school. Oh man, what? I'm like ninety five percent sure that's their rule because uh, Nick Saban always complained about it. Yeah, that's a rough one then. If that's the case, then yeah, you got to go Oklahoma. But let me think, let me try to think of some more schools that he could possibly transfer to that. West Virginia would be cool. Yeah, but I don't think you really want to put yourself in that type of position. West Virginia would be cool to transfer to, but I feel like a quarterback of his caliber has to go somewhere where he's going to have other things to compliment him other than the offense, like a good defense or put you in a position to where, you know, you're going to compete. I wouldn't want to go somewhere who hasn't been able to, you know, be where they need to be. It's been a while since we've looked at West Virginia, like, yeah, they can go contend for a title. Even as good as they were this year. I never thought that never once throughout this season did I say, yeah, them boys can compete for the championship. It just I didn't look that way to me, and mm-hmm. the way the way that uh, the way that Holgerson has been looking these last couple of years, I'm not sure if you want to go there, Bub. I don't think that's where he where I don't think that would benefit him very much. I don't I don't know what um what his future is there, yeah. as far as Holgerson is concerned. I agree. So yeah, I I think that like you said, Oklahoma is probably the best destination for him, especially if you can't transfer within the SEC. It's got to be. There's nowhere else to go. I've been seeing a lot of uh, excuse me, Dwayne Haskins is graduating, go to Ohio State. I don't feel like that's necessarily an option because he's gonna be in the same position that he in now, having to compete for a job. Yeah, you don't transfer and compete again. Yeah, and you definitely don't transfer and compete with a guy like Tate who's been in that program. He's been down. So, obviously, with him being in that program and staying down and not having no type of issues with him lingering the transfer, they're obviously going to lean toward him with that starting position. And you guys are virtually the same guy. You just got a couple inches on him. Mm-hmm. Man, he's way faster. Yeah. So, I, I think Oklahoma's the best destination as well. Um that could be scary, though. Justin Fields in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Ooh-wee. If I'm Oklahoma, I'm on a horn right now. I'm on a horn last week. I'm on a horn last week. I'm on a horn right after the Heisman ceremony because Kyler Murray definitely stated it's a wrap. He's not coming back. So, why? I mean, where else do you go from here? It's time. Pull the plug on that. I need him here next year. You know what, son? Don't even worry about going to Georgia's bowl game. Come holla at us. We're going to get you right. It's time right now. So, yeah, man, make sure y'all y'all stay tuned to that. Keep your eye out for Justin Fields and how this scenario plays out. Because if he does go to Oklahoma, you heard it here first from Sam. But uh, Yeah, I heard it from I, – I just saw it on Twitter. Actually – one of my well, hell, yeah, uh, was like, yeah, tell him come to Oklahoma, and I was like, oh, that'd be spooky. Yeah, like, yeah, that would be, that would be very scary. <laughs> you, you know that that coaching staff is gonna let him go. You know it. You know it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I can. I don't really think I can see anywhere other than there. I just can't. Nowhere that's going to put him in a position to not only compete, but be on the biggest of stages and put him in a position to be successful. Yeah, right now. Right now. I mean, it. like I said, it doesn't get any better than having a school that's just had two transfer quarterbacks. Their last two starters have been transfers, and they've won the Heisman. Like, that's – to me, that that jumps off the page to that's exactly where I'm going. If I that's the that's the thing that triggers in my head for me to even think about transferring. You think about that scenario, you like, you know what? I might leave Georgia. That's I feel like that's the only 
option as far as making me contemplate transferring. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see him there. But let's uh let's switch gears and talk one more thing before we get out of here, man. Let's talk college basketball real quick and another young stud, um, Javon Quinterly. We, me and you have talked about him quite a bit here recently because <laughs> the crazy thing you said to me was, uh, yeah, I don't know if Villanova was the right move for him. I said, is he struggling down there? You said, have you seen the Quinterly highlight all year? <laughs> I said, <laughs> nah, nah, I haven't. You said, exactly. And I said, yeah, you're right. Like, I never really thought about it like that. Now, well, the latest news surrounding this guy is that after they lost to Penn, he wrote on his Instagram, was my second choice for a reason. Speaking of speaking on Villanova. Now, you watched the Villanova-Kansas game, and you said Quinterly over there on the bench with his warm-up on. He still got his shooter shirt on. So that to me was most likely because of this comment, because he just came out here recently and apologized for that statement. But that leads me to ask you, man, is he is he is he likely to transfer? You think he's gone? I think so. I don't understand. I, I just don't understand what other logical explanation it could be besides why he's not. There has to be, there has to be some type of issue with with him and the coach. No, I'm not. I won't say that. I that he's going to transfer. I think it's heading towards that way, but it's still early in the season and early in his career. It, but so, it's hard to say, not knowing what's going on. Yeah. I think um I think he is likely to transfer but I think for his benefit or for him to be most successful he needs to stick it out. He should stay at Villanova and try to figure out what's going on with him and Jay Wright and get that patched up first and foremost. Then outside of that figure out how you can contribute to that ball club because mm-hmm. I mean if we're being honest there's not really a high success rate of uh, college basketball players transferring, especially when you're this uh, highly touted. You don't somebody that's this uh, this highly regarded. You don't have much success moving forward after you transfer because I mean now your name's not on the radar radar as it was. People are they're not going to look at you the same. So you know, now you gotta work this early. exactly. So now you gotta work extra hard to get your name back. And not only do you have to get your name back, now you gotta prove to these people that there's nothing wrong with you as far as being coachable. So I think it's best for him to stay, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him transfer. It, to me, this is really like an eye opener. It really makes me question um, him as a person. It makes me question his uh, his mental. Because, I mean, I don't – this that's not something you do, especially – I understand he's young. I understand that. But you don't turn to social media as soon as things don't go right. That's not the way to handle the situation. And best believe if it's alarming to me, it's alarming to everybody else across the globe. Like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. So, yeah, I, I see him – I see him transferring definitely, but um, yeah, man. Let's let's go ahead and wrap this up before we get out of here. You got any locks for us this week? Nah, I'm 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 done with the locks until uh until the NFL until, and college football playoffs. Tonight. That's a bet. All right, so our viewers out there, our listeners, Sam said it last week is confirmed this week. Look out for NFL playoffs and college football playoffs. That's when we will have our uh locks. Let's get into our pickums, man. Uh, let's start out with college basketball. Thursday, number twelve Texas Tech at number two Duke. You know I'm taking my guys. <laughs> I need the boys too. I think it's going to be a closer game than people expect it to be. Texas Tech is undefeated for those who don't know, but um, 
Yeah, I'm taking Duke as well. Saturday, number 19, UK versus number 9, Carolina. It's a neutral site game in Chicago. Who you got? I do not, don't make me say it. Give me UK. I'm taking the opposite team. I know you are. I know you are. But I'm going UK. You see what happened this week, though? I, I do, you. and you picked them. You did. You picked them to beat the the Zags, but I couldn't do it. And I knew they was. I knew they was due for one. For that very reason, I'm taking UK, and I think this is the week that UK shows they're everybody true. like we're UK we're. <laughs> I don't think they're any good either, but I think that they they at least get some pride back this week and beat Carolina. It explains right. why we came out looking like we was going to be the world's best college basketball team ever. Because <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> All right, let's talk NBA. Friday, Bucks at Celtics. Who you got? Give me Giannis. I'm taking the Bucks as well. Saturday, Raptors at Sixers. Who you got? Is Kawhi back? Yeah, I believe so. Give, nah, I'm give, take, give me Philly. Oh, give me Toronto. I like Toronto, especially if Giannis is back for that one. Um. Last game, NFL, Steelers at Saints. Who you got? Steelers. They they need it more. Nah, I nah. It's gonna be the <laughs> it's gonna be the Saints because they gotta come out and look good this week. Yeah, that's my that's where I'm at with it. I'm taking the Saints because I feel like they are they they need to look good desperately. Yeah. And this is the week that I feel like they really show all right. We 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 still got that firepower. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I'm taking the Saints. Um, yeah, man, that pretty much wraps it up. You got anything you want to say before we get up out of here? Um, not just um, keep sharing, keep interacting with the page. Anything you see, uh, we appreciate all of that. Yes, most definitely. And before we get out of here, I do want to say for all of our listeners out there, we are starting – to do promotions now we're starting to do ads so you can get ad time for us reach out to us on our instagram page which we will make a post here soon regarding our ads but if you've been listening to our show you've heard that we have we've already had a couple of ads on um on our platform so yeah man if you got something you want to get out there anything you want to publicize hit us up sure we can discuss something make something happen but Yeah, man. Signing out. It's your boy Ish. And it's your boy Sam. We appreciate y'all. We out.